Let me first start by saying I am so, so grateful that you have joined me again today. It means the work that we're doing with leaders that I bring onto the show, the insights, the inspiration, and the time that you invest in yourself really matters. So as we go into this holiday season, I am expressing sincere gratitude to you. And the interview that you're going to listen to now with Frank Agin made me reflect a little bit about not just the work that we do in our career, leading others and our families, but also the relationships that we cultivate in our community and often based on our passion for the cause or the people. A quick story, I belong to the American Society for Quality in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I am the program chair trying to bring insights and inspiration from industry leaders to our amazing professionals. And sometimes it is hard to coordinate, but one day I went to the president and I said, bear with me, I'm trying to bring it all together. And he said, Deb, you're doing a wonderful job and don't worry, we have your back. Oh my, talk about peace of mind. And if you don't belong to a community or doing something that you're passionate about, it's lonely just working on your career and business. But think about joining a network that gives you joy, feeds your passion. And Frank Angan is going to talk just about that in our interview. Let's listen. You know, I get this question all the time. What's the one thing I should do to get myself out there? And my answer is pretty consistent. Find something you're passionate about and go volunteer. There's lots of opportunities out there to volunteer. And I know that might seem like, well, wait a minute, I'm a corporate this or corporate that, and that doesn't really seem to fit, but it does. Again, thinking back to the story of the broken femur, we as humans, and your little add-on with respect to villages and clans or tribes, we as humans are hardwired to be in communities, and we're hardwired to look for the people who are giving to others. So if you volunteer, whatever it might be, homelessness, human trafficking, whatever it might be, you're going out there and you are rubbing elbows with people who are passionate about the same thing. They've come out of their little corner of the world and are passionate about the same thing. And they're going to think highly of you. They're going to figure out what you're about and good things are going to come from that. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello. And as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I just want to thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. Week after week, I speak to amazing leaders who share their insights and inspiration with you. If you do like this podcast, I would ask for you to subscribe, rate, review, and tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And this week, it is my honor to bring to you my fantastic guest, Frank Agan. Frank is the president of AmSpirit Business Connection, an organization that empowers entrepreneurs, sales representatives, and professionals to become successful through networking. He is also the host of the Network 
Making Rx podcast a weekly short form podcast with insights and interviews related to better business relationships. And he narrates the Network Rx Minute, a mini podcast with daily insights and inspiration. And he's also the author of several books, including Foundational Networking, Creating No Like and Trust for a Lifetime of Extraordinary Success. Frank, it's my honor to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's my honor as well. <laughs> thank you so much. It's going to be fantastic. And to my listeners a little bit, I have had the honor of knowing Frank for about four or five months, and I kind of got invited into his networking hub, a great place to meet amazing people and form new relationships. But he finally reminded me through the work that he's doing that, yes, we can have our close network in our career, in our business, but there is so much value in exploring and expanding the network because you never know who you're going to meet. So listen carefully to Frank's words and thoughts. But Frank, could you share a little bit about yourself personally, your journey and the work that you're doing now? Yeah, just I grew up in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. My dad was a college professor, went to a small college in Wisconsin, did very well. And that led me to law school at the Ohio State University. So I have a law degree, I have an MBA from Ohio State University or the Ohio State, I guess I'm supposed to say. But at any rate, when I left there, I got a job as a tax consultant in a public accounting firm, one of the what was the big six at the time. And it was a great job. It was a great job. It was great pay, great clients, great office, great everything. I just didn't want to do taxes for the rest of my life. And so after about six years, I decided to leave. Once you've done taxes that long, you're kind of pigeonholed. And I decided, you know, I'm just going to go to private practice, trying to figure out what my next step is going to be. And I tell people that a funny thing happened to me when I went into private practice. And the funny thing was nothing happened. I had no idea how to get clients. And I think it's true of a lot of professionals. The great plumber who knows everything about plumbing and has got this great apprenticeship, but then leaves and has no idea how to get business. And that's really where I struggled. And I was definitely afraid of failing, definitely afraid of having to go beg for my job back and be this tax person for the rest of my life. But I had a conversation one day with a friend who had taken a different path out of law school, and she had decided to start her own firm. And I asked her what I needed to do to be successful. And she said, you need to get into a tips club or a leads group. Really had no idea what she was talking about, but there are these groups out there. They meet every week, one per category. People learn about each other and exchange referrals. Many people are familiar with BNI, which is a big competitor of ours. But anyhow, when I showed up, it immediately made sense. Deb, it's easy to talk about other people. It's easy to pump up other people. It's hard to self-promote. Most people are horrible at self-promoting. Some people do it too much, but most people are bad at self-promotion. But it's neat to promote other people. It's neat to help other people and just trust that it's going to come back to you. And so that's the notion of these organizations. And so I really got involved in that. And I'll make a long story short. At one point, I had an opportunity. I bought it. I guess I am the CEO. I don't call myself the CEO because... It's me and a couple of assistants and a lot of franchisees and a growing number of members across the country. But when I decided to do that, my whole life changed because I decided to become a student of business networking, become a student of professional relationships. And that's led me into writing a number of books and having a podcast and really kind of observing, observing what's happening in the world and how people use relationships to create success. It's really kind of my journey. 
I can go in a whole bunch of different directions from there. But <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. But I do want to just kind of go backwards a little bit. You said by helping other people and elevating others and helping them to make connections that benefit them, because you said it's not so easy to sell yourself, but it's easy to promote and help others. But then you use the word trust, that you trust it would come back in some way. Help me to understand where you went from trusting it because you believed it would come back to then you started seeing things come back. Because I know that even myself, I'm networking. I am in several networking groups, one of yours and several others, and I'm putting in the work and I'm trusting the process. But what was it like for you when you said, I'll trust and then it started coming back. I'm curious because obviously then you continued with your own business. Yeah, it's, I think I don't want to say we're all familiar with it, but many are familiar with the trust fall where you just fall back into somebody's arms. And that's really what it is. It's this leap of faith or this fall of faith that something's going to catch you. And when you're initially told, hey, listen, you need to trust that if you do for others, things will come back for you. It is kind of a weird feeling because if you put this time and effort in and somebody doesn't come back to help you, you're actually worse off. So it is a little bit of a leap of faith. And I just went with it. People said, you know, the more you help people, the more things will come back to you. And you start talking to people who are successful people out there. There were a couple of people who were 10, 15 years on me. And they just said, listen, get involved in the community, do things. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel like this doesn't make sense. Like you should constantly be driving, building your career, building your practice but you have to trust that things will come back. And it did. And now that I've gone in and I've really become a student of this, it makes sense. Let me just share a quick story. There's a famous anthropologist out there. Her name is Margaret Mead, and she was teaching a class. And one of the students said, what was the first sign of human civilization? And she thought about it, and people were waiting with bated breath as to what the answer was. And she came back with, when we found a healed femur. We found human remains, there was a healed femur because then she went on to explain that the femur connects the knee to the hip. And I know this is really kind of a, it seems like I'm really kind of a random comment here, but in the animal world, she went on to explain, you don't see animals with healed femurs. They break their femur, it's a death sentence because they can't move, they can't care for themselves, they can't feed, they can't get water, and so they'll die. But when we found humans that clearly had broken femurs and went on to survive, we knew that we had a species that had decided it was going to care for one another. And so the reason I think that story is so powerful with when we start talking about trust is imagine a group of three people back in the day, tens, 20, 30,000 years ago, somebody had a broken femur and there were, say there were four or whatever number, one person breaks their femur. If they decided, you know, we're just going to leave you, good luck, move on, then they're less capable as a unit to make it work. But if they stopped and said, you know what, we're going to take a six-week pause because that's how long it takes for that bone to heal without modern medical care. We're going to take a six-week pause. We're back at full strength, kind of like hockey. Somebody's in the penalty box to come out. Now we're back at full strength. We as a unit are better able to survive. And so as time went on, people who contributed to the lives of others took a pause to help one another became more successful we're better able to survive. So this is really kind of hardwired into us, this whole notion of if you help other people, they want to help you in return. 
when somebody does something for you, I had somebody connect me on LinkedIn this morning, just out of the blue. My thought was immediate. How do I help this person? How can I return this favor? They're not expecting it, but that was my initial thought. It was a very human, lightning fast thought. What can I do for this person? And once you start to understand that this is how humans are hardwired, the whole notion of trusting by helping other people, helping other people and trusting it'll come back to you, even maybe not from them, but maybe an onlooker, somebody in your company that sees that, wow, you really went above and beyond to help somebody else. I think I can trust that person. I really want to kind of invest in them. So it's a really powerful notion. So you know how that makes sense to me is that, again, way in the day, maybe a little bit after that group of four, people made villages. You depended on the community. You had a doctor, you had a lawyer, you had a baker or somebody that's the Smith or whatever. We all relied on each other because that's how we were all going to survive. But then modern day culture, especially US culture, we are taught to be individualistic and venture out on our own. That is the human entrepreneurial spirit. Then sometimes we fall short because you say, I have a hard time selling myself. But the collective, like you say, of maybe paying it forward, there was strength strengthen that and would lift everybody. So maybe we need to take a look at history and go back a little bit and say, well, maybe we do need a few people in our court (laughs) to help pull us up because then it comes back around. That's exactly how I came to wondering about this because I too, yes, I network. It's easy to go out on LinkedIn and look at your first degree networks if you're looking for a new job or starting a new business. But what I didn't understand was this extended network. And when somebody came into my world that started referring me to three, four, five people, I almost felt uncomfortable. Like I'm not used to this and how can I quickly return or should I just allow myself to receive and not necessarily to have to return. That's very difficult for an entrepreneur or a self-sufficient person. (laughs) It is, it is. We should be open to receiving. And you remember it. Yes. Yeah. Right. So curious, you wrote your book, I think about 2009. And I'm wondering, is it the same book that you would publish today? Or are there maybe additional chapters that you would write or rewrite because it has networking or anything changed in the past 10, 11, or 12 years? I would do, I don't want to say significant rewrite, but I would put more of the science into it. And it's not that nothing has changed. It's not that anything has changed, I should say. Networking, human relations is as old as time. That notion of those feelings back when somebody had a partner with a broken femur You know, it's really kind of the same sort of thing. When I wrote the book, I didn't have that knowledge. And I continue to come across it. I continue to come across studies where I realize that just the influence we have on one another, I would certainly supplement the book with that information. I thought about writing another book. I don't know. I mean, at some point, enough's enough, right? (laughs) But yeah, I would change it. And the reason I would change it is, is because there are a lot of books out there that people just kind of fire out their conjecture. And essentially that the book is conjecture. You know, you need to be nice to people. You need to have a positive presence. My question is why? How do you know that? And I think we start looking at the science, the actual social scientists that are out there doing research on what gratitude is doing to productivity, what small talk does to our relationships and the actual science behind it. Then you kind of say, okay, you're telling me to do this. You're showing exactly why it works. 
I think it becomes more, a more powerful book at that point. So what I'd like to do now is come back to your specific work with Anne Spirit. And what I really like to understand is, you know, again, you fell in love with the concept. You said, I am going to do this. And you became a student of networking and the relationships. But for the people that are still not sure that they want to join such an organization, they feel like they're well-networked, they're getting what they want. The worst thing that could happen is when you find yourself on the outside versus the inside, and then you say, oh, shoot, I have to rebuild my network. Can you just share with me maybe a story about maybe somebody that came in as a naysayer, wasn't right, really sure, but then as they experienced and invested the time in a networking organization, realized benefit that they wouldn't have had before? Yeah, I mean, I think the organization is full of those stories. That was certainly my story. Nobody likes to spend money. This is a paid membership organization. And when I came upon it, I was a couple hundred bucks to join, which isn't a lot of money. But when you're out on your own and you don't have an income, it's a lot of money. But, you know, there are certainly stories like that. There was an individual that I knew in public accounting. He left right around the same time I did. And he went the accounting route. I went the, the law route and I invited him into the organization. And, and this is back when I wasn't operating it, but just a member. And he was like, why do we want to do that? Why don't we just do something on our own? And why do we need to join this? Let's just, let's just be networked. Let's shake hands on it and commit to one another. And he reluctantly came in and got involved. His name was Jeff and quickly realized that we have weekly meetings, people get together weekly, that the structure of coming together weekly, the structure of the meeting, the getting to really know people that you otherwise wouldn't know really had huge benefits. And for he and I, because we knew each other, we never would have gotten together every week if we didn't have the compulsion of the meeting. And I use the compulsion term very loosely because quite frankly, he was always a half hour early to the meeting. I was always a half hour early to the meeting because we just like getting together and talking. Entrepreneurship's a very lonely thing. Being a CEO can be a very lonely thing because you're not really surrounded by people that you can confide in. Anytime you ask somebody for advice, even in the business world, uh, the entrepreneur, when you ask for somebody advice, somebody's advice, you have to ask, okay, what's their motivation? Are they competent to give you the advice? Are they conflicted in giving you the advice? Those are the things. And that's why I say to be an entrepreneur is a lonely thing. Being a CEO can be a lonely thing. Maybe my first lieutenant, my vice president is going to give me the wrong advice because he or she wants my job. You have to always ask those questions. Have a group of people that you can meet with. I didn't do accounting work. He wasn't competing with me. He didn't want my work. I didn't want his. We wanted each other to be successful. So... What's really important, again, for anybody that's listening that's not currently part of a professional networking group, you may belong to various associations for which there are monthly meetings, but there is something different about the networking structure because we're all here to help each other. But you had said some things along our conversation for the person that is not sure about networking and you're not comfortable selling yourself, it's a perfect place to learn how to do that. If you're not disciplined, it's not easy to network, sometimes exercising a muscle by having the discipline of attending something on a weekly basis makes it easier and easier the next time. And then just if you are feeling lonely, even if you're in a corporate role, you don't have to be lonely anymore. You can be with a bunch of lonely people and build some kind of community. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even just AmSpirit. There's a lot of organizations out there. AmSpirit's really geared for the entrepreneur, the sales rep, the professional. But there are a lot of groups out there that are geared for the executive to get together in a safe space with other executives to have a conversation in a very confidential setting. Hey, I have this employee or I have this vice president that this is the issue. How would you handle it? And that's networking. It's not always about making sales. It's about introductions and sharing information and just encouraging one another. So I just want to share a little bit with the audience or ask for you to share this as well. So obviously, Amspirit, you're invested in it. This is something you feel is very strongly. It's part of your business model. But you participate in at least one or two other networking organizations because they're simply the right thing to do. And I want people to hear about this because you also keep giving and giving and giving a lot more. Can you share a little bit more about that other networking organization? I mean, there are two that I've created and really support one where we met the networking hub, which are consultants and coaches and podcasters, authors, publishers, various entrepreneur types. And we just come together to support each other. The analogy I always use is I don't like coconut. I know this is random. I don't like coconut, but if I come across Almond Joy Bar, which is coconut, I'm going to grab it because you might like coconut. I don't want to pass it up because it might be good for you. And that's the whole notion of just bringing people together. So if you were to say, I'm really looking to get on other podcasts, that might not be my thing, but I might know people who are looking for podcast guests, if that makes sense. And so that's the notion behind it. The second group I have is really geared for not-for-profits and not-for-profits to come in and talk amongst one another. And it's really kind of a neat environment because they'll tell me, this is great because I can finally talk to somebody who understands the challenges of a not-for-profit. The not-for-profit board doesn't necessarily understand the challenges of the executive or the person actually running the not-for-profit. They might be a for-profit person, but when all these not-for-profit people come together and they can really tackle those challenges collectively, it becomes a powerful thing. Both those are really a way of kind of giving back. And again, trusting that something is going to come from them and things do. I have no expectation, but I see wonderful opportunities coming from those things. I'm on this podcast. This is a perfect example. And that's how we met. And that's how we're creating some great content for our listeners. But I'm just going to ask a random question. So the networking hub, I almost feel like we're an experiment. What have you seen coming out of this group that just kind of formed and keeps morphing? Because you must have a broader perspective of what is this coming? And are you learning anything because you say you're a student of relationships and building networks? Yeah, there's lots that have come from it. I have sold franchises through connections in there. It's not, hey, Frank, here's somebody who wants to buy a franchise, but here's an introduction that leads to another introduction leads to another. Oh, here's somebody who wants to buy a franchise. You have to give that credit because that was the origin of it. So that's certainly something I have generated a lot of information. I have daily rituals that I've picked up through there. Dan Lefebvre, who's on there, I had a chance to meet him, but he said, here, write these affirmations. You give me this app and you get affirmations every day and you write them down. It's a, it's a little two minute exercise, but it just kind of gives me pause to think about things. And as a part of that, every day, I'm supposed to write down the things I'm grateful for or the, the opportunities from today. This is one of those opportunities I will write about. And then what are my intentions for tomorrow? What's the two or three things I'm going to accomplish tomorrow? And I just found out somebody got on. She goes, you don't know this, Frank. 
I met the love of my life through this. I said, she, I won't give the names, but we met through an introduction. They were both involved, didn't meet through it, but somebody connected them. Two weeks later, they had moved in and now they're engaged, traveling around the country. And that's only one of two. And I don't intend for those things, but you get great people together. It's just neat. Well, Casey, who you know as well, she'll tell you that she put a book together and everything she's needed to put the book together has come from connections in there. Everything. I need this. I need this. That's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. These are all great stories. I'm smiling here too, because again, I get to navigate in that hub as well. And I have made some very, very interesting introductions that have led to introductions that have led to introductions. I'm going to be on Casey's podcast as well. So (laughs) I'm going to start bringing this to a close a little bit for our listeners out there. If they're not currently in a networking organization, entrepreneur or in a corporate, what would be some things that they could either action on now or things they should be thinking about? In terms of networking, what's some of your best advice? Even if they don't join a network, I mean, what could they be doing now? What should they be thinking about? You know, I get this question all the time. What's the one thing I should do to kind of kick off, get myself out there? And my answer is pretty consistent. Find something you're passionate about and go volunteer. There's lots of opportunities out there to volunteer. And I know that might seem like, well, wait a minute, I'm a corporate this or corporate that. And that doesn't really seem to fit, but it does. Again, thinking back to the story of the broken femur, we as humans, and and your little add-on with respect to villages and clans or tribes, we as humans are hardwired to be in communities, and we're hardwired to look for the people who are giving to others. So if you volunteer, whatever it might be, homelessness, human trafficking, whatever it might be, you're going out there and you are rubbing elbows with people who are passionate about the same thing. They've come out of their little corner of the world and are passionate about the same thing. And they're going to think highly of you. They're going to figure out what you're about and good things are going to come from that. Even the people who are not, you're a CEO and all your underlings find out that you're involved in this, whatever project, again, cancer. I mean, the list is endless and that you're committed to it. They're going to look at you in a whole different way. And I mean that in a positive sense. You know, they're just going to elevate you. Wow, this this person is human. They care about other people. Even if it doesn't impact them directly, they're going to have a higher, hold you in higher esteem. Now, that's advice I consistently give. What I really love about that, and that ties in with the CEO's Compass, my book, is about really respecting the human and taking the time. Sometimes as leaders, we don't look at people's past or their unique gifts. We don't really intently understand the human. And while networking can be formal and informal, it's almost forcing us to flex our muscle again to connect with humanity, which is really the greater good of what the work that you're doing. So Frank, (laughs) you've been an amazing guest. I'm grateful to know you and for the connections that I have made through the work that you're doing. You've been a great guest and I just want to thank you for your time. Well, thank you for having me. I hope I added value and I appreciate the opportunity. And I know people are going to want to connect with you, learn more about you, the work you're doing, maybe the nonprofit. How best can they connect with you? I'm on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I don't think I'm the only Frank Agan out there, A-G-I-N. But I also have a website, frankagan.com. People can find my emails. They can find my podcast. They can find my books. That's kind of a central hub as well. Either or whatever they're most comfortable with. All right. Well, I wish you continued success, connecting the dots, connecting humanity. Thank you. And you've been amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. 
My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.